Hi, Ed. How are you doing? Well, I've just cancelled my membership to Narcoleptics Anonymous because the uh, the Derby will do it for me. So you know. No, you know narcolept- narcoleptics. It's where you can't, you can't stay. Yeah, I know you can't stay awake. It doesn't work as an analogy. Yeah, it's fine. In- it's fine. Insomniacs Anonymous. That's yes. all you have. To, you just have to change it to Insomniacs Anonymous. Yeah. Well, I'm just trying to keep the listeners on the ball. Talking of Insomniacs Anonymous, are you ready for another rant cast? Um, so uh, that Wolves game, that wasn't a brilliant game either, apart from the last ten minutes. Oh, it was awful, wasn't it? United were awful. They, they, there was just nothing about the the team at all. And really, I, to be honest, Wolves probably should have won if they had more about them. They would have, but that's why they're relegation favourites, I suppose. And Park somehow pulled it out of the bag. I mean, it looked like actually for the winning goal, it looked like he was about to cross it and then had some kind of brain wave or a uh, fit or something and uh, actually shot and it was a fine goal in the end and um, a decent performance which uh, unfortunately didn't replicate last night but uh, that's what Fergie's teams do right at that I was looking at the stat and uh, we've actually scored in the last two seasons or whatever it is less goals in the last couple of minutes than other teams so maybe uh, it's just a myth but uh, it, it does seem to happen doesn't it that um Fergie's team somehow find a win when they uh, they didn't look like they were going to do it. Well, when you say goals in the last couple of minutes, do you mean goals in general, or did you look at goals which changed the outcome of the game? Well, that, that's true. It is very different, yes. And uh, no, it was just uh, late goals I was right. looking at. But yeah, it it is very different, and it is uncanny how many times United do seem to come up with a winner. And um, the the fact that they were terrible was largely due to the fact that they were all poisoned by an evil virus, which, as I've seen uh, put about on Twitter, Fergie should have sold to Madrid after all, when he famously <laughs> said he wouldn't sell that lot of virus. There you go. It's the winter flu bug, I suppose. They should have all got some shots, shouldn't they? That's you know That would be the sensible thing to do. I'm not sure it works like that. I, th- I think that protects you against some things, but there was a lot of diarrhoea and stomach flu and stuff, which might not have necessarily been cleared up by... Syphilis. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Rooney's case. Yes. Rooney, a player that I've kind of forgotten all about watching United. I've kind of, I just have like, you know, Stalin going back through old photographs. I've kind of painted him out in my mind. It's going to be quite a shock when he comes back. Yeah, I was I was hoping we might transfer him out to Seattle Sounders since that's where he is. Well, he's in Oregon, isn't he? So or Portland Timbers or whatever it is. It's a, a part of the world. All the same kind of thing. West Coast, North a bit. And uh, apologies to American listeners. <laughs> rainy. I hear it's rainy up there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, what's he doing in Nike Town? Well, he, look, I, from the pictures, and we haven't seen very many, but Sky sneaked the camera in. Uh, he looked like he was doing a bit of light jogging and some basic ball work running around cones. He, nothing he couldn't have done at Carrington. I mean, he's supposed to be on this super advanced speed, agility, quickness, and whatever else the rest of the spark bit means. Uh, and getting elite fit, so they tell us. Um, I, I don't suppose all the cheeseburgers will be helping him any, though. It's nuggets. It's, it's nuggets, not cheeseburgers. Nuggets. What, what, whatever killed Elvis, that, that'll be it. He'll, 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 Rooney will probably be dead in a toilet somewhere. <laughs> There's a, this is just a totally perfect synchronicity about Wayne Rooney being in Nike Town. You know, it's just it's just pure 
commerce. It's just got commerce dripping off it. Oh, yeah, you just know he's filming an advert right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, where he has a massive beard. Anyway, um, yeah, so that's why we were rubbish against Wolves. I don't suppose it bears that much analysis, does it, really? I mean, I, I, mean, I, I was impressed with the last 10 minutes, especially given the depleted energy levels caused by a virus. And Park was really good, although <laughs> it feels harsh to say this, but whenever he scores a goal, it always looks like there was a very real chance that he would have shanked it off the outside of his boot and it would have flown miles wide. Well, I think he was aiming at the keeper's top right-hand corner and it went in the bottom left-hand corner. I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't trust him when it comes to any kind of finishing. I mean, he has 20 goals in 161 games, so that, that kind of tells you everything there. Yeah, but at the end of the season, if we win the league by uh, two points, then uh, that would have been obviously an absolutely massive goal he scored. Absolutely. Talking of absolutely massive, oh, this new city, eh? So full of flair and talent and ambition and drive, and they're going to set the Premiership alight with their beautiful football, with their world superstars that they're assembling. Yeah, well, you can see why the Abu Dhabi group bought them now. They, they can really put themselves on the map for the most turgid team in European football. I mean, it's not like we didn't know City played like that. They they played with three defensive midfielders, for God's sake. So, at, at home, and they have done all season. And uh, I think they have one win at Eastlands. And, and you know, they just, they just, th- their target is fourth. And uh, if they can be a point better than the next team, that's all they want so uh, right now not looking to light up the world but you just wonder whether Mancini can or not uh, I thought it was just incredibly negative from City I mean United weren't much better to be honest I always think it's the coward's way out playing Park on the left wing and and uh, Berbatov was increasingly frustrated and kept coming deep to get the ball because he was a long way from his midfield colleagues you know United basically played four very narrow and then Nani slightly wider right Darren Fletcher was in the hole which is a worrying term at any time the most telling moment of the game tactically for me was the replacement of Berbatov by Chicharito that seemed to be a rather extraordinary decision although City were in a little period where they did have the ball a bit and they did put some pressure on and it was quite good to have that extra man in midfield and I suppose Fergie just thought that if he took off Park then Skulls and Fletcher would be out battled by those three defensive midfielders Um, and if he took off Skulls he wouldn't have enough creativity to supply anything for Berbatov Chicharito something like that anyway well, well, Skulls was the deepest of United midfield. I mean, he basically played just in front of the back four. So. Absolutely. I mean, he, yeah, he's still important in terms of United's ball retention. The other way Fergie could have gone would have been to use to use Hernandez and try and stretch the game and, and use the pace. But I guess City had absolutely no attacking ambition at all. So uh, the, the chance of us actually getting a counter-attack into play might have been difficult. So it, it was um, it was nothing like the games last season, was it? Where there, there were some classics. Uh, it does help when United win in the last minute on three occasions, of course. But there were still quite a lot goals 15 goals in the four games last season and and that i think we could have played for a couple of days yesterday and and there still not be a goal i talking of which but in injury time i was i was left a bit confused by the end of the game there was a sort of cellular response that i had of like wait a minute why haven't we scored you know in that last injury time what's going on how's how's how is it possible that the referee's blown his whistle we have not scored our last minute winner that was clearly coming i know i know i they should have surrounded the referee and said hang on a minute Having said that, I was kind of worried that Tevez would do exactly the same at the other end and uh, there would be some horrible, unjust revenge. 
Um, well, well, perhaps. I mean, I suppose he had their best chance, didn't he, with the, with the free kick, uh, which didn't really look like it was ever going to beat Van der Sar. And, and he is lively. But again, he came very deep all the time. And, and if he's supposed to be the pivot around which City's attack pivots, then, then that wasn't going to happen with him playing so deep. They, they played a 4-6-0 a lot of the time, you know, very very uh, Roma under Luigi Spalletti. But they, there you go. It was very disappointing. I, I, I thought one bit that did light up the game, though, and uh, this entertained me no end, was Rafael and uh, Carlos Tevez having it out on the pitch. No idea what it was, but there was a lot of pointing and gun-type actions going on. You know, I kill you! I kill you! <laughs> That's not racist. That's not racist at all, Ed. Don't worry. No, no, it's all right. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was very Argentina versus Brazil, wasn't it? Uh, we had a question from at well, a comment really from at J Graham W on Twitter. He, he's asked us to discuss our thoughts on why Fletcher was bombing forward to create the play uh, with the shocking tackling of Paul Scholes left anchoring the midfield. Well, that's been it. the case for quite a long time, actually. Uh, if you look at the the heat maps or the average position of, of those two players. Fletcher's always the, the furthest forward of those two players when they play together. He's He is the man that they've entrusted with the, the kind of box-to-box midfielder role. And, you know, he, he does it okay. He's uh, he's never going to be a number 10 and create out of nothing, is he? But he, he gets about the pitch a lot. Uh, I, I don't think he's United's answer to Wesley Schneider or Meza Ozil or any other, you know, Iniesta and Xavi, any of the world's great playmakers. But uh, he's the best we've got right now and and that's something that was added to that comment uh, oh if only we'd bought Ozil yes absolutely that that game had we need a creative midfielder once again written all over it but I thought um the player we probably missed most uh, not Wayne Rooney but Luis Valencia because that game was absolutely crying out for some whip wasn't it it, well, yeah, it was. I don't know whether he had played, though. I mean, Fergie likes to play Park in these big games. I mean, he's he's like an extra left-back. I mean, actually, Park um, started on the left nominally, but as the game wore on, was more and more central and pretty much played the entire second half in the, the centre of midfield. Yeah, I, I, I guess the ability uh, to inject some pace and to beat a man um, you know, would have negated some of City's tactics. Actually, that's what Adam Johnson could have given City if they hadn't brought him on so late in the game. Uh, he, he would have he could potentially have changed things because it would have drawn Park out of the centre of midfield which was extremely congested and, and forced him to play on the left and it would have evened things up in midfield but as it was uh, Mancini had zero ambition uh, which is kind of ironic given that Wayne Rooney wanted to join them for all their ambition uh, and um, and so he didn't do it until very late in the game and, and uh, there you go I, gu- I guess given the stick Mancini would have got if they'd lost and the pressure on him it was the right thing to do from his point of view to not lose yeah and you got the sense that Fergie was extremely was in the end more keen on not losing than he was on winning yeah well. right well, you know I I think yes United do play like this away from home in Europe uh, but at some points in the season Fergie will gamble and throw a whole bunch of players on just to just to win a game and he's been brave down the years for that look you don't win cups and championships without without taking uh, a chance and City cannot win the Premier League playing like that they just can't do it they're just not going to win enough games especially against teams who don't want to come out and play uh, of which there will be many in the bottom half of the table. So I think that there was an opportunity for Ferguson to gamble last night and he probably assessed it and thought, actually, we don't need to. And, and the United the wayside against a, a team that have 
spent 400 million pounds or whatever it is in the last couple of years so perhaps the onus was on City to to show they really are on the same level as Mancini claimed afterwards Mm. yeah I think if if one thing that game showed us is that they are nowhere near on the same level I mean really and that's not just um well maybe I don't know I can't take off my red tinted spectacles enough to know but I'm pretty sure if I was a neutral I would think God United are still absolutely light years ahead of this Man City side aren't they uh, one thing I want to talk about about last night and um, we mentioned in the build that Michael Carrick had uh, another another really good game um which is very promising I think uh United's passing was Excellent, with the exception of Jisung Park. Yeah, Park gave the ball on, well, I counted 12 occasions. I haven't actually looked at the stats afterwards, but I I think it was 12. I was just getting very frustrated with him, losing the ball constantly. Carrick, yeah, um, he had a much better game, good defensively, covered the pitch well, which he hasn't always done over the last year. Uh, There was nothing incisive about his play, though. It's not like uh, his passing was going to do any damage, but we retained possession pretty well, I thought. Yeah, which is it's really important, and it's something we haven't done, and it's it's promising to see that happening. Yeah, and uh, it's good to see Carrick uh, maybe realising that uh, this is his last shot at a career with United, and if he doesn't perform this season, he's on the way out. Talking of on the way out, uh, one thing we didn't talk about in the Wolves game, because I suspect we both already have forgotten that it happened, Hargo. Yes, yeah, that was a shame for him. Uh, I mean, it, it was uh, something of a surprise that he, he started, of course, and uh, on the right wing, which was a little bit of an odd position for him. And, yeah, he um, he broke down straight away. I, I guess a long-term injury. He's just not been used to elite levels of play. That's going to happen. Uh, he had a calf injury before that in training as well. I, I just don't make, see him making any kind of serious comeback. He's out for five weeks. That will take him up to Christmas we probably actually won't see him again this side of this year. Maybe he'll get some games in the spring. He's he's got to. Yeah, but if if he doesn't play and doesn't play pretty regularly in the spring, then he's not going to get a new contract, and he's gone. I, I still think that's a very long shot. Yeah, absolutely. Um, talking of very long shots, Nani uh, seemed like a very long shot to be playing in that City game when Ferguson said he definitely won't play. Uh, I can't help noticing. I think he played. It's uh, it's that old thing, isn't it? When Fergie says it's past a check under the sauce to <laughs> bastardise his own quotes. I, I I think if he says one thing, you just start penciling players in. Uh, although he did say Ryan Giggs was definitely out and Ryan Giggs was definitely out. You've got to mix it up, haven't you? Otherwise you get predictable. Exactly, yeah, yeah, you know, you, you tell enough lies, no one can tell what's actually the truth anymore, which is yeah, true with Ferguson, I think he has uh, he has no intention of uh, doing anything other than trying to mislead everyone possible there, uh, you know, for his, and the team's own end, I suppose. Yeah, there were, there were, there were City fans on Twitter last night bemoaning the fact that uh, I did think this was funny, one was saying, uh, he lied to us, he tricked us, <laughs> well, boo-hoo. I had heard that Nani was fit, so I, I wasn't very surprised by his inclusion at all. I think it was more a case of working out who of the virus hit lot uh, was and who wasn't fit to play. And in the end, actually, we had a pretty full squad to choose from. I don't think there was, apart from gigs and the, the long-term injury victims, uh, I don't think anyone was actually out with the virus apart from Thomas Cusack. So Ben Amos sat uh, on the bench. I thought Vidic was absolutely magnificent last night. Easily my man of a match. Back to his best, isn't he? And um, it's just a pity that he didn't seem to have the same focus while he was thinking of leaving uh, and negotiating a new contract uh, for most of last year. 
Um, but there you go. Um, he is a top, top centre centre half. I really, I couldn't think of anyone better than him in the world. And and he dealt with absolutely everything that came his way. He was he was you know he's superb and and played the captain's role. Even though he doesn't really appear to be a natural captain for Manchester United, he um he certainly led by example. He did. Um, so I guess we can move on from the city game unless there's anything else you particularly desperately wanted to address from the snorefest no no we've um we've talked about the city game for longer than they provided us with any entertainment um so we'll move on to a game which i hope will be a lot better because i'm going to be there which is a, a rare opportunity i'm very excited about that manchester united travel to aston villa on saturday a lot of players out skulls is out um uh, suspended. Raphael has apparently been ruled out after the dead leg last night. Patrice Everett is a major doubt. Yes, he twisted his ankle by the looks of it. So yes, I, I would think there's no chance of him playing. So I guess we'll see Brown at right back and O'Shea at left back. Uh, the way we ended the game, which which is a shame because I think it's that you know both both solid enough defenders, but uh, don't don't offer the same attacking threat as uh, Ever and Raphael. Uh, and um, yeah, Skull's got himself booked. Uh, I thought he was a bit unlucky with that one. Actually, I don't think he actually committed the foul. It was kind of behind the player, but uh, Fletcher came in from the uh, from the side and and clattered the City player. Uh, but uh, I think at 90 minutes um, last night, uh, Skulls probably wouldn't have played either. Anderson, well, um, he's not had a lot of game time, and he got this virus, so we'll see. Maybe he'll be back. Uh, I guess Darren Gibson had the virus too. Uh, maybe he'll be back. And um, we might see Ryan Giggs, maybe not, depends how sore his hamstring is. Uh, he um, had apparently uh, said he, it felt a little twinge before the Wolves game. and uh, so. But he has been training, uh, you know, without missing sessions for 10 days now. So he he might be in too. And, and perhaps we'll see a two up front again and, uh, and Hernandez will start. And talking of managers who have in the past displayed something of a lack of ambition on the pitch, it is the welcome return to a fixture against Manchester United of one Monsieur Gerard Houllier. You see, I, I, I don't mind Gerard. I think he's, I think he's okay. He's perfectly affable, isn't he? He, he wasn't uh, in the Benitez realm of um, cranking up the Liverpool United rivalry. So there's nothing much to hate about Houllier, other than he was an ex-Liverpool manager, and and his teams did play a very boring boring type of football and and Villa have been as you'd expect given the turmoil pretty inconsistent this season uh, although they, they've got some decent players so and and on their home patch yeah, you'd, you'd expect them to be a threat I mean after all they they were in contention for European places and all of that they are a top 10 side they are quite literally a top 10 side at the moment sitting 10th in the Premier League although uh, that's one point behind fifth given the nature of the congestion at this stage of the season it's a big game for filler they'll obviously be hugely up for it as teams always are when we come into town uh, I, i'm i'm optimistic though i remain optimistic um they've traditionally been a bit of a six point side for us haven't they aston villa I, I think we we need to keep the momentum going uh, that we had got. You know, there were six wins in a row before the, the City game, and I think it is important to pick up points, otherwise uh, we risk Chelsea 
stretching the lead, which is four points at the moment. Could have been a lot worse, of course, without Chelsea's loss the other week. But there, you know, there you go. I, I think it is. I think it is important that United go to Villa and win, even even though they are a good side. I think we need to go and beat teams that are hovering around the tenth mark. Uh, if we have any pretensions on the title, and I expect us to be a bit more positive. Um, not that we were negative by uh, comparison with our opposition last night, but you know, I expect us to go there, play two at front, and uh, really go for the game. We've had a question from. Uh, at Happy Heroes asked even though we're second in the league do you think it's been a frustrating season so far and I would say actually I think it's because we're second in the league that it's been a frustrating season so far I mean we're obviously doing relatively well and we it's, it's really important to mention we still haven't nobody's beaten us which given the injuries and the stuff going on off the field and all that kind of thing it's pretty impressive actually that we, that we haven't lost or not but it has been immensely frustrating some of the points we've managed to drop but some of that seemed to have some of that tide seemed to have turned a little bit especially with that Wolves game with a vintage United not playing well and snatching three points but but that City game was was hella frustrating yeah six six draws this season which I think is too much really and uh, it it, you'd think leaves us with less wiggle room come the end of the season I mean the thing is it it is a competitive league at the moment and uh, we will see a good point spread between the top five I guess so it's um Chelsea are going to drop points as well they they uh, uh, they do look just a notch above everyone else, you'd say, but they are still they still are prone to drop points, and I, I think they do miss a lot when Essien's not playing, and uh, of course he's going to miss some games now because he got sent off last night. He did. Um, I, I, th- I think he's their most important player, and uh, I think I've said this before. He's he's, he's my favourite player anywhere in the Premiership outside of United. I just think he's a f- phenomenally effective and, and and brilliant player. But yeah, they're, they're, they will drop points, and they do look over Chelsea fan at my work was saying you know under Mourinho when when you they went out on the pitch there was just that relentless sense that they were going to win come what may they were going to win and he said under Ancelotti even though they're, they're kind of banging in the goals from time to time he doesn't have that sense of confidence and that that kind of the inevitable Chelsea machine isn't rolling quite the same way it used to this is true. This is true. Yeah, they are dropping points, and I, I think what won it last year, eighty-six points. So uh, in previous years, it had been as high as ninety-two, I think. So you know, it shows you that, that to to win the Premier League, uh, you're two wins worse off than than before, and that's the nature of the competitive nature of the the Premier League in the, the moment, but also the inconsistency of the top four, and of course that will bear itself out in Europe. And I, I think, I mean, I'd, I'd give Chelsea a shot at um, going far in the, the tournament but I'm not sure any other the other English sides will do I'm not sure that we're it depends on the draw of course but I think if we came up across a, a really good side in round two then you know we, we might struggle but Chelsea might go further but I do think that the level of the English teams has come down a notch from, from what it was a few years ago it's interesting it's that kind of cyclical ebb and flow thing that happens in world football and the English league obviously was extremely dominant for, for a good while was it two seasons in a row we had three teams in the semi-finals yeah it, it is cyclical and it's, it's also to do with money in there uh, uh, you know, Manchester City aside, the the top sides are, are being you know, austere for for differing reasons. Obviously, Arsenal are, are trying to be a well-run ship and get themselves debt-free as quick as possible, and and Liverpool have been laden with debt until the recent takeover. And United are still laden with debt, and Chelsea are, are trying to get to a point when they'll break even so they can meet the financial regulations. So maybe to uh, 
ease some of the frustration and inconsistency that we've talked about at underscore IA run suggested that what we really need is to bring back Dong Feng Shao and Eric Jemba Jemba. Surely, surely they, they would be the answer to United's current woes. And I think he's right. You know, it was, there was a program on ITV uh, earlier in the week where one legendary Eric came back to Manchester to give he cast his eye over the Manchester Derby, a slightly disappointing and ITV esque program. It turned out to be, did you see that? Yes, I did. Of course. Yes, it was. It was, uh, it was kind of tawdry, but okay seeing Eric wasn't it it was and I really did like it when he turned up in that chap's front room and the, the look on his face if it was it was it was magic and um, but yeah surely we need another another legendary Manchester United Eric Monsieur Jemba Jemba have you any idea where he's playing oh, last I heard he was playing at Odense for a while wasn't he in Denmark uh, I'm not actually sure where he is now he might be in the Middle East might be playing in Qatar or something like I know he, he had some financial problems didn't he so um I think he uh he, he might have sought a large payday out in the Middle East he is. Uh, he, he plays for OB. I don't even know who OB. Oh well, that's, are. A, that's that's the Dens. That's in Denmark. Oh right. Okay, so he's still there. Uh, Odens Build Club. Yeah. He was in Qatar for a season right. where he played 29 games and scored three goals. Wow. Uh, this is. I haven't looked that up on Wikipedia. I just have an encyclopedic knowledge of uh, Eric Jemba Jemba's career. Yes. And and Dong. I think I was corrected. I think I said he was playing in Belgium. He's he's playing in Portugal at the moment. So uh, there you go. Um, talking of Manchester United legends who have left us and moved on, oh, they took our Solskjaer away. Ed. I know. We asked them not to, but they did. 14 years with Manchester United since uh, signing as a baby-faced youngster, and uh, 14 long years later, and he's still a baby-faced not-so-youngster. And uh, yeah, he's he's gone to take over the manager of Mould. It's not the first time they've tried to get him as their manager. Also, the Norwegian national team offered him the job and he turned it down saying he wasn't experienced enough, but he's finally decided he wanted to go home. I think speculation about this has, has been on the cards for quite some time after he bought a, a new house in Christiansund, which is uh, where he's from, which is about an hour's drive from Mould in the, the southern part of Norway. And um, he's going to be uh, one of the younger coaches in the uh, the Tippelgegen, or oh, I hope I sure I haven't pronounced that right which is the Norwegian first division and uh, they're, they're a small club mould and the stadium Acker Stadium holds about 11,000 people so they're not big by any means but they are funded by um, this chap Rocker who is, is involved in taking Wimbledon from Wimbledon to Milton Keynes boo uh, boo so there's some controversy there but he has he has funded their new stadium and, and player signatures and, and apparently I was reading uh, mould of already of course they, they play a summer game in Norway because of the, the harsh winters and so they've just finished their season but they've now sold 2,000 season tickets next season they sold 6,000 last year and they've, they've only just finished the season so there's obviously a lot of excitement about Oli Gunnar going home yeah and uh, a lot of the, the stuff on Twitter from people that work at the club were sort of saying that he has a sense that he wants to give something back to Norwegian football having you know obviously greatly benefited from a career in football he wants to go and help develop Norwegian youngsters and stuff like that which is you know extremely honourable and you wouldn't have thought it would be a massive salary bump to go back to Molde necessarily. Uh, no, I'm sure I'm sure it isn't he's he's uh, he's done very well financially though so he's actually one of the richest coaches in England because of his uh, lengthy playing career at United and he's, a, he's actually been for a long time he's, he's got 
a couple of schools there uh, and he has a scouting network in Norway and, and we've seen the benefit at United of course we, we now have three Norwegian youngsters on our books uh, Magnus, Wolf, Ikram many many watchers of the reserves will know very talented central midfield player who um, many people want to see have a uh, have a game in the Carling Cup this season I mean he's, he's a very gifted player perhaps the only criticism might be his lack of pace and it might hold him back uh, and obviously Joshua King we, we saw actually in last year's Carling Cup he had a a bit of a cameo against the Wolves, extremely pacey front man, uh, currently at Preston on loan. And and, and uh, it says Hussein, who I have to admit, I, I really don't know a lot. He, he played quite a bit from the academy, so I've, I've seen some highlights, but um, I'm, I'm not someone who hangs around at Carrington and, and watches the games. There, there are others that do that and tweet about it. Um, he's a, sort of a, a young left-sided midfielder. Um, and, uh, you know, good things are spoken about him. And then we signed another this week. Uh, called Mats Muladali, who's 15, and he'll sign on his 16th birthday, which is the 1st of February. And he is rated by one coach as the best young player in Europe. And uh, I suppose we are prone to hyperbole in this industry, but um, that's high praise indeed. You were saying before the show, Ed, that he's a kind of number 10 creative attacking midfielder type. Uh, and you went on to say that that means by the time he's 23, he'll be playing in defensive midfield in a 4-5-1. Yeah, ouch. Yeah, so it's what we did to Darren Fletcher and Anderson, of course. Yeah, look, I, no expert on this chap. I, I, I watched the, um, he's from Stabæk, the, the Norwegian football club, and I, they have a very good TV channel on their website. So there were actually some highlights and a, a couple of interviews with him. And there is some YouTube footage as well, one of uh, which is where he cuts in from the left wing and... Uh, curls the ball into the top corner with his right foot so uh, yeah he just looks like a very a very naturally gifted player from the limited footage I've seen of him Uh, so who knows this of course has been United's policy for a while signing youngsters from overseas Uh, the last Mancunian to make it into the team was Wes Brown that was 1998 when he made his debut um, times have definitely changed. And talking of time, I guess we've probably run out of time for this week's Rankast. We'll be back again with another episode next week. But then I think we're having something of an enforced break while you go and scout the Seattle Sounders. Is that right? Well, I would I would be scouting, but they've just been knocked out of the MLS Cup by uh, by David Beckham's LA Galaxy. So, yeah, they're, they're no longer in it. But I will be in the States for a little while. But we'll see. You know, the wonders of the Internet. We might be able to pull this podcast off anyway.